We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andres Hale. It was a crazy weekend in boxing. Tons to recap. We had Alexander Usyk making his second heavyweight fight. We're going to talk all about that. The Monster NY debuted for top rank and made a statement in his fight. And, of course, we have to talk about Gervonta Tank Davis and the knockout heard around the internet has been going crazy. So, so much boxing to touch on today. Also, it was Halloween. So, we got to start off. We always talk Halloween on this show. It's one of the old man's favorite holidays. You go all out for it. But this year, it's the Rona. What did you do, old man, for Halloween? Um, Man, we just uh, decorated the house. My my daughter had her little outfits, and we watched horror movies. And we made um, charcuterie boards, shark coochie boards, according to the internet. Uh, it's basically <laughs> fancy-ass crackers and cheese and meats and shit. So that that's all we did. We watched a bunch of horror flicks. The family was over. Um... Yeah, man. I, we had zero trick-or-treaters at my crib. Not a single one. Wow. Yeah, I'm shocked by that. I didn't have any here either. Um, and we're in the building, so you would think, like, you know, people go knocking on doors, just take their kids around. It's a little easier than go up and down the neighborhood, you know? Like, yeah. you have 
what, 60, 70 units in this building, take your kids around, just knock on the door with the little mask on, get candy and bounce. We had the candy ready, nothing. Not one trick-or-treater. People down and around the corner threw a crazy-ass party, though. Had to be 90 people in an apartment, loud, spilling drinks at like 3 a.m. I was like, I ain't mad, young fellas. Just <laughs> keep keep that away from me. Should have went out this morning and wiped everything down with Lysol. But outside of that, yeah, if they catch the run, they'll be all right. But they were partying heavy down the block. One thing we always talk about in Halloween, though, is your movie marathon. You usually have themes for this. Last year, I think it was weird. It was like Final Destination, which yeah. is one I, I probably should have showed up for because I could watch that. You wait. You wait until I move away to watch the good stuff. That doesn't <laughs> scare me to death. What did you watch this year? Uh, well, we watched Bad Hair on Hulu, which was interesting. Justin Simeon, the, the director of Dear White People, the movie and the series, did it. Um. It's exactly what it's about. It's like bad weave that kills people. <laughs> that sounds funny. It's more funny than it is scary. So we watched that. It was one of the... See, what happens is when we have like the whole family over, we got a family that doesn't know how to be quiet, so we can never really watch anything. So we got to find something that's going to get the entire family's attention, and we watched it like 3 in the morning. So we watched that. We watched Nightmare on Elm Street 1. My brother-in-law was like, he's... Brother-in-law just turned 29, and he's just he was just like, man, this is... This isn't that good, and I wanted to smack him. Um, <laughs> He's 29 already? Yeah. Oh, we get old. All right. Um, let me think. What else did we watch? My wife watched Bride of Ch- No, Curse of Chucky? Bride of Chucky? We didn't have a thing. We were just randomly watching movies. Uh, we watched It Follows. If anybody has not seen It Follows, I highly recommend that movie. Um that's not it, for really? me, then. Yep, not for me. If but you see, recommend it, not for me. It's not as scary. It's not really... If you... I don't, nah, it's not like Final Destination at all. Is it suspenseful? No, it's, I mean, okay. it's, uh, it's basically something is following you, but it doesn't run, it doesn't make any, it doesn't come after you, like, excitedly. It basically, if you see it walking towards you, and it'll never stop coming after you. So it's like Braun Strowman. Yeah, but Braun runs. It doesn't run. <laughs> the only way you can spot it is see. It's you know, it's kind of like an allegory for um, for STDs. It's the theme is crazy. Uh, basically, the premise is a girl sleeps with this dude. The dude ties her up in the chair and is like, "You got it now, and now it's gonna follow you." And from that point, it, you know, like if you're in a crowd, you might see something. It's always coming at you. It's always somebody <laughs> walking towards you. So it's kind of freaky, man. It, it's a good film. I saw it at Sundance a few years ago. Uh, my brother-in-law never saw it. So yeah, It Follows was dope. I don't know what else we watched. We had some other stuff on. We had we did the Final Destination Marathon again. I fell asleep in the chair um, during the third <laughs> one. I woke up. And That's it was like real old one. man-ish right there. That's yeah, old, was, old man get up when you fall asleep on a movie. Dog, we were trying to cook and make these charcuterie boards and do all this. And it was like 2 in the morning. I just passed out. And I woke up and it was like the fifth one. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll just watch the rest of this. So Were you cutting like your own cold cuts or something? Like how in-depth did you get with this charcuterie board? Uh, the My wife and her mom and my sister-in-law, they did all the cutting. We just made our boards. See, my brother-in-law, he's not cultured and shit. So he was basically <laughs> like, oh, this is like a, a Lunchables board. And I was like, no, man, it's not Lunchables. Because he thought we were making like sandwich crackers. I'm like, come on, man. That's he exactly has, what it is, though. 
It's, it is not. It's a very snooty adult lunchable board. Yes, but though the cheeses are expensive, and we didn't buy no, like we don't buy cheap shit. So it was like he was like looking at the cheese, and he was like, "Oh, this is just a lunchable." I was like, "It's not a lunchable, dude." So did yeah. you pair it with like wine? Of course we did. Come on. Oh, of course, of course. That's what I was thinking. I don't know why multiple wines. Yes. To pair this cheese with this wine, I forgot. I'm talking to the man who decides to randomly vacation at vineyards three times a year. Yes, well, not this year. I haven't been anywhere, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's like, like, yo, Dre, where are you going for vacation? Oh, we're just going to the vineyard for a couple of days. Yes. Like, ain't, ain't nothing at the vineyard besides grapes and, and wine. wine. That's, what else do you need? I don't know. I'm bad-mouthing it now, but I feel like it was something I'll probably do in like three years. You'll probably do it in less than that. That's usually how we rock, right? Like, I'll badmouth it. I'll be like, this makes no sense. Why do people do this? And then three years from now, you catch me squishing grapes with my feet in Northern California or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, no, cool. So you had Movie Marathon again with the fam. Obviously, quarantining pretty much still here in the crib. I didn't do anything for Halloween. We dressed up, so that was cool. The wife was uh, Vivian from Pretty Women. Pretty Woman. Mm. So that was cool. Her outfit came out dope. I was lazy and didn't feel like getting a full outfit. So I got some football pants and I was Al Bundy, Polk High. I had the football and everything. I did the pose. So we did that for our thing. There's a bar across the street that had adult Halloween. So you go and it was a trick or treat and you go in. And you don't know what type of shot you're getting. So you'll go and they gave you two shots as you walked in for free. Interesting. Yeah. So we wore our costumes as long as you were dressed up. Wore our costumes, went over, had our shots. I think I had something that was like peppermint schnapps, which is horrible, by the way. Ugh. I'd leave. Yeah. <laughs> the other one was all right. The other one was like a whiskey. Um, yeah, the peppermint schnapps one is not good. I guess people put it in coffee. Yeah, Maybe no. that makes it good. I wasn't for me. Wasn't a good shot. But yeah, man, that was adult Halloween here on the East Coast. The other thing I saw, even though I didn't have trick or treaters, is there were some kids, you know, running up and down the street with their bags. They had little bags of candy, and that made me think my kids are now old and snobby, so they don't care about candy as much. And trick or treating, they just want you know to go to the store, buy candy, and eat it. So they're whack. But since you have a little one, what is the go-to candies that you always take from your kid? Because that's every parent. I don't care what. When your kids go around and get candy, you look through it to allegedly check for bad stuff. But you end up taking everything you want. What's your go-to candies? It's always Sour Patch Kids. If there's anything sour, I'm taking it. That's it. Oh, that's the best stuff. Yeah, all the sour stuff. Oh, that's grimy. I mean, I guess I'll... I'll take any time, like, you know, those old school, they're like Fruit Punch, Green Apple. I think they're Flintstones. They kind of look like Tootsie Rolls, but yeah. they're, like, flavored. So I take those, every single one of them. Smarties is, like, my secret addiction, and I eat the whole wrap at once. Yeah, so you Smarties? can't eat one at a time. Yep. Whole thing. That's, that's basically hardened dust with flavor yeah. on it delicious you got to no. eat it all at once though the entire thing you can't just eat one at a time wait 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 purpose so so you just made me ask this question because people are going to respond to this <laughs> when you eat a bag of skittles do you eat yeah. a handful and throw them all in your mouth or you eat them one at a time 
I can only eat Skittles in two. Dude, and please. I st- I strategically pair flavor combinations because some flavors taste better together. Okay. See, so, you, yeah. like, the grape one really only hits with the yellow. The orange goes with everything. So I, you strategically got to pair them in twos. So if I catch people, like, grabbing a handful of anything and eating them all at once, I get mad. Because it's just, what's the point? Right, like, like why would I like flavor, man? Like gummy bears, love gummy bears, but I'll eat them one at a time. And people are like you want yes? No, you're you're a psychopath. Like, no, no, you can't eat gummy bears one at a I, time. Yes, I can. I save. Like, first of all, I don't buy cheap gummy bears because there's like some high end gummy bears where the flavor is mwah, a one, and you oh, can't. You Sprouts might be, has the best gummy bears, by the way. You might be able to mix one with the other, but if you eat like more than three at once, you're an idiot. You're just wasting things. That's terrible. I, I mean, certain ones pair well together. That's why uh, gummy worms come half and half. Because the flavors pair well, well together. So that's what I do with my, gum, my gummy bears and my Skittles. I pair them into certain flavor combinations. Yeah, I, if it, like I said, if any of our listeners, if you go into, if like you came to my house and you grabbed a handful of Skittles and just shot like six in your mouth, you got to leave. You got to go home. Oh, when I was little, like, I, I did it with chewing gum, too. But with Skittles, we used to take, like, just a handful, put them all in our mouth at once, and act like it's dip when we were playing, like, baseball outside. And you just had, like, the big chew on your lip, just full of Skittles flavors. And it just makes you spit all the time because it's crazy amount of flavor in the Skittles. Way better than gum. Yeah, no, don't do Little that. Little cheat code. But, it, yeah, it tasted like nothing. Yeah, it's it tasted garbage. like a ball of sugar. You yeah, like, lose uh, all the flavors. Like kid, it. like when you were a kid, did you make suicides all the time? No, it's, I hate that. No, yeah, see, uh-uh. I, I like, can't mix flavors like that at a. It's disrespectful. At, at a fountain, yeah, it makes no sense. There's this place though in Utah. We went and dropped um, my niece off up there when she went to school, and there's a whole restaurant. I guess it's like Sonic, but. Instead of like slushes and all this stuff, their whole thing is that they do suicides and they have different mixes. There's not one mix under five sodas. Hell no. Yep. And that's the whole place. It's right there in like by Dixie College, like an hour away from Vegas. And that's what they do is they have suicides and people love it. I'm like, yo, I can't do that. That's that's gross. Oh, no. People used to do that with every flavor. They just go straight down. Like at McDonald's. And I'm like, how are you gonna mix high C and Dr. Pepper? Like this doesn't this doesn't equate to me. So yeah, no, that shit is disgusting. Um I stay away from all the Halloween chocolates too. Like <laughs> I don't it, really eat chocolate like that. They melt, yeah, it's stupid. Reese's, maybe. And I don't even like peanut butter, but Reese's cups are delicious. And then every now and then and people hate it, but three musketeers bars will get me. Three Musketeers bars. Yeah, they ain't shit in them, but like fluffy yeah. nougat. Yes. Yeah, just tastes like a cloud. But uh, outside of that, yeah, I don't eat like any type of peanuts. I don't eat caramel. I don't eat none of that shit. So half the chocolate candy bars are out. Can't stand Snickers, Milky Ways, none of that. Milky Ways are good. I don't know what you're talking about. Twix are good too, but oh, Twix are horrible. What? That yeah. wafer? 
that wafer is trash. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Twix, with you. Twix might be the most overrated candy bar. I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> yeah. You don't disrespect the Twix. Twix, and they're like, "Oh, how do you eat it? Two at a time? Like, who cares? It's trash." No, Twix is horrible. Caramel corn is trash. Not ca- candy corn. Not caramel corn. Caramel oh, corn candy. is delicious. Candy corn is you might as well burn it, put it in the trash, and light it on fire. Yeah, it's like a candle. That, that's punishment for trick or treaters. Yeah, and I know I know people who like candy corn. Yeah. You're not trustworthy if you like candy corn. Nah, I you, can't trust your judgment on anything. Like why? What like the my grandma used to eat them right, so I didn't trust her. And when, <laughs> like when she would have candy corn, she'd offer them to me, and I eat them, and I always go, "Why? Like why, grandma?" And she was like, "Shut the fuck up!" Like that's what she taught me. And I was just like, "Yo, this is this is disgusting. Like why do you eat this? Like that and peeps, no the peeps on Easter. Like she would buy peeps and save them." And there'd be like a kitchen full of peeps, and it'd be like oh. Thanksgiving. And she'd still eat that shit. And I'm like, get this oh. shit out of here. It's disgusting. They get like hard and weird on the outside. But I'd rather eat peeps than candy corn. I can eat peeps. I could do like three, and then instant stomach ache. Yeah, peeps and is now penitentiary com- dinner. Oh my God. They start coming out with random flavors now. I don't Horrible. care. I won't eat them. Disgusting. Horrible. The OGs that, aren't bad. That, like, peep, like candy corn, peeps, and my grandma used to eat. York peppermint patties. Do you remember them shits? Yeah, that shit's that shit's not good. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, I eat a mint because I want my breath to smell good, not because it's delicious. And my grandmother used to just eat York peppermint patties, and they used to offend me. Still offends you know me what? talking about it. You know what is good? Those Werther's candies, though. Like the super yeah, I just bought a bag of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were on to something with that. Those Yo, are fire. I have a question. If anybody can answer this question... I ain't got shit to give you. I'm not giving you anything. If anybody could tell me the name of those candies that are in strawberry wrapping, and everybody has them, but I have no yes. idea what they're called. I don't think anyone knows the name. There Where is no like, name. It's, it's red on the bottom with the strawberry dots. Yes. And then it twists to the green. It's, they're amazing, and nobody knows what Incredible. they're called. Yeah. It takes forever for those to melt, though. Like, yeah. for you to actually finish one, you'll you'll be... Like walking around with it in your mouth for like thirty minutes. Yeah, I have. Those are great. I just don't know what they're called. Yeah, no, nah, that's there's just some shit that is just old people candy. You don't know where it comes from, but old people always have it. Yeah, and they can't tell you the name of it because they don't know. They don't know. They just know. They see it. They buy it, and somehow they got the plug. And I never figured out where these are even made. Like yo. That's how you know some shit is crazy when you don't know who manufactures them. You've been around a hundred years, but you're not like Twix. You're not like Nestle. Like Those you're just completely shit. underground. It's the Al Heyman of candy. <laughs> like shit's wild. Like old people got the ultimate connect on all of those. No clue what the name is for those. But yeah, no, I think we ran through most of the good candy. Twix are overrated. I give you that. Candy corn is disgusting. And you're a weirdo for eating gummy bears one at a time. No, I'm not. But whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have so much boxing to talk to that we just really have to get over there. So let's take our first break. When we come back, we're just going to speed through all of this boxing, a.k.a. speed through it. It's going to take us like an hour. But it's going to be a great convo. And if you guys haven't watched the fights, we'll talk about them. And you're going to want to watch them as soon as this show is over. So you guys stay right there. We'll be right back.
All right, we'll get back to the show in one second. But first, even though sports had a break, your business did it. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools for you to make your search that much easier. Those tools include sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, just that quick, we are back, and it is boxing time for us. Dre, I feel like we got to go in order. The night for me kind of went in order, right? Like, So it was a constant build of great boxing throughout the day. It started on DAZN. I thought it was a good card, top to bottom. A lot of these DAZN cards are, especially the ones from the UK. They have really good fights on them. So I was going through, and I was like, yo, there's so many good fights and then I even liked the co-main. Um, the women's fight was great, I thought, on there. But it was all about Usyk versus Chisora in the main event. And Alexander Usyk at heavyweight. Something's missing for me. And I think it's power. But I wonder what you saw in that fight as well. Because it's not the same. It's a lot like Lomachenko when he moves up. Yeah. Um... Well, Usyk won a unanimous decision against Derek Chisora in a fight that I said it was going to be dicey, right? There were going to be some dicey moments for him, and early on it was. I mean, Chisora didn't find it. It wasn't too hard for him to find him, and uh, it was clear that Usyk was adjusting. And there was a difference between, like I made this comparison, and some people got it, some people didn't. There's a difference between where Usyk was fighting Chisora and Lomachenko was fighting Lopez, where Usyk adjusted quickly and knew that he was being threatened, even though the opponent that he was up against may not have been a technically superior boxer, but he knew he just couldn't give rounds away. And he knew he couldn't wait to try to figure some shit out. He had to make some adjustments and get to work. And that's what he did. Like with Lopez and Loma, Loma just figured at some point in the fight, Lopez was going to make a mistake. He was going to capitalize. Fight's over. That shit didn't happen. Usyk recognized that Sora's is going to be a problem. He's probably going to hang around for a while. So I need to stop bullshitting and get on this horse and start fighting. And it happened around round three where he went to work. And Usyk looked good. But, I, dude, see, this is, this is a weird thing because Usyk at Cruiserweight, obviously, undisputed champion, looked phenomenal against everybody he fought. Uh, at heavyweight, when you're talking about the thing that's missing, it's obvious. It's power. And... I'm not saying he's supposed to put Chisora away because Chisora is extremely tough, but Chisora was a dead man walking by round six. 
He was completely gassed and exhausted. Usyk, if he would have stepped on the gas, it's not even if he would have stepped on the gas. If he had a little bit more pop, he might have been able to get him out of there. If Usyk wants to beat somebody like Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, or even a Deontay Wilder, he's going to have to hurt them to stop them from coming at him. I don't think he's got that in him. Maybe a few fights from now, he kind of grows into that heavyweight form and learns how to sit down on his punches. But right now, I don't think he's that much of a threat. I honestly really want to see him fight Andy Ruiz. That's the fight I really want to see because I need to see if he could take a punch. Jasora could punch, but Ruiz has got extremely fast hands. Sign me up for that. Somebody was like Luis Ortiz. I think Luis Ortiz might knock Usyk out, honestly. I don't know. But Ortiz is old as shit, so you know, maybe he gets old now. But he looked good. He looked like he could win one of the titles that maybe Joshua will end up having to vacate. We have to talk about Deontay Wilder, too. This, we have to talk about this, but not yet, because I got a lot to say about this shit. But, <laughs> oh, I for, yeah, almost forgot about that. God damn. God damn, man. We'll talk about that in a minute. But <laughs> he, looked, he looked good. He got hit a lot more than I would like for him to, especially in those early rounds, but he made those adjustments. He won the fight. That I think it was like a 118-110 scorecard that was utterly ridiculous. But I was in the neighborhood of 116-112. I could even see somebody going 115, 113, because I think one of those late rounds Chisora took as well might have been 10th. But, yeah, man, he ain't beating no Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua. Not with not with that power. Skills, he's got it. But size, he's kind of small. It's weird, though, because he didn't look small. No. Like, against Chisora, who's been in there, been in the ring with, you know, Anthony Joshua. He's been in there with top guys. He didn't look out of place with him. It seemed to me like there was a reluctance to sit down on anything. And Chisora was just able to just be physically imposing and kind of like goon him in the beginning of that fight. Until Chisora gassed, and then that's when we saw Usyk kind of take off and become comfortable and let his hands go. What happens if the guy doesn't gas? Well, that's the issue. Like, and again, this is not to say he can't be a top five heavyweight because I think he'll be a top five heavyweight. But to become a champion or one of the be one of the top guys, he's going to have to be able to back those guys off because not only are Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury heavy hitters and big giants, they're skilled. So it's it's you know Joshua may get tired here and there, but we've seen him come back and still have, have show that same power. And I don't know if Usyk can take that kind of a shot. I mean, I, I'd like to see Usyk fight the winner of Pavekin and Dillian White's rematch. There's a lot of fights there I'm intrigued with seeing him in the ring with, but this didn't show me that he's ready for them. Like, at this point, even if I am Usyk, I say, go ahead and fight for that title. I'm not ready for it yet. I need another fight at this weight before I take a, a chance. I know people say dare to be great and all that shit, but no, fuck that. You need another fight at heavyweight. But Kent, I don't know if he can pump the brakes. He's been talking AJ and, oh, you got to vacate. I think his plan is to say, I won't move, and AJ vacates. So he doesn't have to face him anyway. I mean, if that's what he wants to do, fine. I, like, if, he's there's going no, to call his bluff. There's no way that Anthony Joshua is going to be. Like, Anthony Joshua, did you see him at the fight? He didn't even look impressed. He was like, all right, cool. No, he didn't look impressed at all. No. <laughs> 
there's no way that you come out of that performance and you say, well, you know, fight me or vacate, and then Anthony Joshua looks at a potential Tyson Fury fight and says, no, I'm going to fight you instead. No, he's gonna, he'll vacate. He, as much as he wants to be undisputed champion, he'll just be like, all right, cool, because there's so much money in a Fury fight that's not there for a Usyk fight. True, true. It's, it's the case of... Okay, Fury's fighting in December. Joshua's fighting as well a week later. What if fans can't be in attendance come March and April? Well, do you do you take Usyk because now you've seen him and you say, you know what, I can beat him. Keep my belts, and then next summer, I trust we can have fans. Do you keep him on the hook? I don't know, man. I, like nothing about their fight excites me right now. That's all. Nothing about a Usyk Joshua fight excites me. The fight to be made is with Tyson Fury, and dude, they'll find a way to have somebody in the arena for that fight. There's no way that fight happens without anybody being there. Yeah, I feel like the UK is a little bit ahead of us. You got to put that in the UK, though. Yes, I'm, I'm of that opinion. I love fights in Vegas, but. One, I want to go to London. You went to London last time. You were gallivanting. I didn't get to go. This time, I could be in the building. We never had this zone ESPN connection. So that would be fun. We're always in Vegas. And then Vegas in a bubble or Legion Stadium. It's like, do the rematch there. Maybe by then you can pack it out. Yeah. And both guys being from the UK, the fans would be crazy. Am I crazy to think Tyson Fury now has the bigger following in the UK? Because AJ you was be. the golden boy. I still think he's the golden boy. Okay. I don't think that's changed because AJ, the way they've treated him is like a superstar. But Tyson oh, yeah. Fury has the states on lock. So. It's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I can't wait to see how it plays out. I feel like Tyson Fury fans might be more rowdy. That might be like a, a class thing. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be so fun to see. And then that brings us to the reason we can even start thinking about that fight. And that's because Deontay Wilder missed the deadline to lock stuff up for this trilogy. There was a loophole. Obviously, Bob Arum and all of Tyson Fury's handlers found the loophole and got the hell out of there and moved on without him. I'm okay with that. Now, Wilder, I, I thought I thought taking Fury again immediately and having sh- surgery, what was it, in like August? Right. Was a bad idea. You were of the same opinion. Yes. Why go back to back? I thought this was a perfect out. It doesn't make him look weak. You can talk trash. You can say, you're scared to fight me. You found this little clause and you bounced. I'm going to catch you. Don't worry about it. It may not be next, but I'm never going away. I will catch you again. And then take on a guy like Andy Ruiz, who's a guy who beat Joshua, who Joshua had to become a pure boxer against to beat him. So if you starch Andy Ruiz, let's say in the spring, that's a great look on you. Now you're building the hype again. The hype train continues. Take on the Otto Valin kid. Who gave Fury a tough matchup next summer while they do the rematch? Take on Valine. 
It starts him. Oh, Fury couldn't take him out. He cut Fury. He almost beat him. That's two things on your belt. Now you get the winner of AJ and Fury. And you're right back on the money train. He did the exact opposite of that. I don't know who, who's in his corner, but they're costing him money. Guys, <laughs> if you saw the video that Deontay Wilder put out on Saturday, where he basically follows the bullshit and accuses Tyson Fury of having something shaped like an egg weight in his hands, and that's why he beat him, and a crooked ref, and a disloyal trainer in Mark Breland, and now Fury is scared of him. Listen, man. When I said Deontay Wilder was fighting in Black History Month, and I was all excited for black excellence. Now, this is black bullshit. Come on, man. You can't do this in, it's now November. You got knocked the fuck out in February. And then you complained about the suit being too heavy. You made a bunch of excuses. Then you were just like, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. Then you disappear. And then when you resurface, now you're in conspiracy theory land. Now you're going to accuse Tyson. Like, why didn't you say that that night or a month later? If you truly believed it. But you know what happened. He started watching those goddamn YouTube videos. I don't know how his glove got all bendy. Listen, man. The boxing QAnon. I've, I've been in locker rooms. I follow fighters around. I follow the commission around. I see what happens when the commission signs off on gloves, wraps, and they watch the hand wraps. They watch you put on your gloves. Anybody who's been in a locker room before, especially for a major fight, especially the Nevada State Athletic Commission, they're on top of this shit. There is no way that Tyson Fury put like a goddamn cast iron skill in his, in his glove with nobody seeing it, right? Dre, I, I was in that locker room, Dre. I was in the locker room for that fight. Both of their locker rooms. Wasn't shit in the gloves. You couldn't get closer than me. Only person closer than me was Fury's brother, his bodyguard, and at one point, Triple H. Outside of that, I was in the locker room with him. He's not putting anything in those gloves. So the question is, it's, and then furthermore, and this is for a lot of you that don't, aren't aware of how this works. So when the, when the gloves are wrapped, the commission goes back there, and usually you guys see it, but it's usually on delay because it's, it's a pretty long and boring process. They, and, you know, and what happens is you have the commission, and then somebody from the other team is there watching you get your hands wrapped. They yeah. inspect the gloves at the weigh-in when you choose the gloves. You've been there for this, Kel. Have you? Have you not? Yeah, so I've they, been there. You choose the gloves, and then the commission signs off on the gloves, puts them in a plastic bag, and bag. puts them away. Yep. Little zippy bag, a little like tie bag. Yes. Tyson Fury's team no longer has access to those gloves until the night of the fight when he's getting his hands wrapped, when the commission and somebody from Wilder's team are both in the locker room, along with cameras and everybody else. This does not happen behind closed doors. The reason, like, and there's people that go, well, what about Antonio Margarito? Let's talk about Antonio Margarito. Those were hand wraps that had extra, uh, it was like a plaster on it. Yep. And it between hardened. Between the gauze and the wrap. Yes, it, yeah. between the gauze and the wrap, and then they, they, they made it wet so it turned into a hard material, right? What they're accusing Tyson Fury of doing is putting something in his glove. 
it Wilder says it's like an egg weight. Now, when would this have happened is the question. Then furthermore, they go, well, look how the glove is bending. That means nothing. If, I, if I'm fighting and I'm slapping at you and I close my fist, yes, the glove can slide a little bit and, and slap at you, but I'm still hitting you, right? But there's no, there's no metal object in there. And for Deontay Wilder to make these excuses now... And then, and then, furthermore, what makes matters worse, if you saw the Instagram post or the, uh, the Twitter post where Wilder says, I got offered more money to fight Anthony Joshua, but I was a man of my word. <laughs> Do you remember what Deontay Wilder said around this time about a year and a half ago that Anthony Joshua was ducking him? Ducking him. No offer was sent. He said nothing. Joshua wanted no parts of him. Dude, so... I'm in New York. We're going to go back a little bit. I'm in New York with AJ. AJ's at a hotel. They booked a few writers to be in a room to interview and ask him questions. I think Ioli was there. Dan Raphael was there when he was still with ESPN. Keith Eidick from Boxing Scene. And I had a one-on-one with AJ. So basically, Matt Shroom and AJ was like, just wait for all the – don't ask any questions during while the writers are here. You'll get them by yourself. So they, they everybody asked their questions about the Wilder fight, blah, blah, blah. AJ's just like, look, he's got an offer. He didn't sign it. He's got an offer. He didn't sign it. I want to fight him. So after we're done, me and AJ are sitting in this hotel. We're overlooking New York. Now, this is before the, the first Wii's fight. We're overlooking, like, we're on, like, in Manhattan. And I'm like, we're talking about, like, New York hip-hop. And I'm like, yo. I was like, did they really send an offer to Wilder? And he looks at me. And he's like, I don't, he was like, I have no reason to lie about shit that I know about. He's like, if I don't know something, I'll say I don't know. He was like, but I know we've made an offer to him and I know he turned it down. But the thing is, what a lot of people don't know is the reason why the Deontay, because first of all, the first thing that happened was the zone made Wilder an offer, a very lucrative offer, but he turned it down. The reason why he turned it down is Al Heyman has always taken care of Deontay Wilder. So I'm, I'm never going to say he should have left, right? It no. makes sense. Heyman takes care of his fighters in more ways than one. He protects them. He's, he watches over him. He makes sure they get the best fight deals. Heyman is a very good man in the shadows. So he did right by him for both Fury fights. He it, got paid very well. Exactly. So when Wilder wouldn't jump ship, the next thing was Eddie Hearn and Matchroom made an offer for Wilder and Joshua to fight. And it would either be, a, I think the, the original offer was at Wembley. And then they started talking about doing it in New York. But the original offer, offer was at Wembley. And they offered Wilder somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty-five to thirty million dollars, and he turned it down. I understand why Wilder would turn that down because they didn't want to necessarily fight overseas. And even though AJ had the, the belts and he had the WBC, Wilder felt like he was the A side. And we're, yep. we're going to talk about this A side shit in a minute too, and how ridiculous this gets. Again, though, that's thirty-five to thirty. Right. Guaranteed money. Right. Guaranteed money. Josh was only at 35. He's at 30. But continue. Whatever. So, but ultimately, Wilder turned down the fight. Right? Now, yeah. Josh, he, you know, he, all he would say in his interviews, he got tired of talking about it. We, like, even with the big baby fight, we talked about this a lot. And he just got tired of talking about it. He was like, I want to fight him. He was like, why wouldn't I want to fight? He's like, I fought Klitschko. Why wouldn't I want to fight Deontay Wilder? There is no reason I wouldn't fight Deontay Wilder. So all this time passes, and Wilder has kept saying that AJ is ducking him. And then now he says that he got offered more money to fight him. Like, what kind of fool are you right now? Man, I feel so bad because I like Deontay Wilder. But it's like, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. 
Because now you've been made a fool out of yourself. You did this yourself with conspiracy theories. The first it was a suit, and then you then in another interview, he said that somebody put something in his water. He said Breland put it in his water. The man who saved his life, bruh, it's bad enough he has now let him go, and that and Breland is an amazing trainer. In terms of fundamentals, the man knows his shit. Wilder, if he has a shred of fundamentals, it is because of Breland. The only man in that corner who cares about your life, your ability to see your kids, and to actually be able to walk around after the beating you were taking, if for any reason Fury so happened to find a way to cheat and was hitting you with his bare knuckles because his gloves had moved up or there's something in his glove, this man then said, you know what, I'm not going to let this other man cheat you and pummel you. I'm throwing in the towel and we're going we're gonna to call him out, fight another day, and he won't be able to cheat and we're going to whoop his ass. That man had the common sense to do so and now he's the cheat? He put some in your water to make your legs feel funny. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's because instead of normal, there's a freight elevator from the MGM that'll take you all the way down from your room to the street. The car will drive you around the back way. And you will come into the locker rooms on the MGM Grand Garden Arena. They'll send the, the little SUV to come and get you. Instead of doing that, you decide to take the elevator down and walk through the crowded MGM. All the way through, all the way down, amongst all the people. It was the longest walk, Dre. I got this shit on film. I posted it on ringside. He walked through everybody. All the way down, all the way to the locker room. You get in there. Then you pace. He never sat down. He paced the entire three hours before the fight. Then put on this heavy-ass suit. Continued to pace. And then took the long walk in this suit. Someone told him, you got to put this whole shit on for some reason. You know, no one's going to see you till we get down there. Walked all the way down with it. And then took a slow stroll to the ring. Maybe that's why you had no legs. Dude, I can't. He needed I, a Fitbit. Someone checked the Fitbit. The man had 20,000 steps before he made it into the ring. I, yeah, definitely. So it's it's embarrassing when you, as a, as a fighter, as a man, you got embarrassed by losing to Tyson Fury. He, he ran roughshod over you. But the thing is, is shut the fuck up. Just shut up. Just, it, just if, if you want to fight him, just call him out. Just say it wasn't my night. You're going to get yours soon. Don't blame Mark Breland. Mark Breland was the only one in your corner who has actually been in a boxing match and knows what it's like to take those kind of shots, and he's been stopped before. He saw what was happening to you. Don't call that man disloyal. Listen, I get it when you say, I want to die on my shield. But at a certain point, especially with all the people actually dying in boxing, maybe you should say, you know what? I understand. That man wasn't disloyal to you. You're disloyal to yourself. You need to check yourself for this bullshit. Because why would you make all these excuses? I don't like losing at anything. But I'll be goddamned if I start running off with a bunch of Twilight Zone theories on why I lost instead of just taking it like a man. Because what happens next time when Tyson Fury beats that ass again? It's not, it's not you just take a loss. Your career is over. Deontay, shut the fuck up. Like I, I respect that man as a fighter, but you can't make excuses like this in November. 
Oh, yeah, like, after going radio silent for 10 months, you know, give or take, you know, the Black Lives Matter video, which was well done, all this stuff, you've gone radio silent, and this is what you come back with? This, oh, man. This is what you want to put out there. This won him no fans. None. None. This was embarrassing. That is exactly what it was. No one's clamoring to see you get your ass beat again now. Because that's what they think is going to happen. Now you have to fight someone else. Because you need to show people that you still got it. And that this man didn't break you emotionally. Well. And I'm not positive that that didn't happen. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. The fact that you're still making excuses now. Like, man, listen. There's shit happens in fights. Some people do cheat. I'm not saying that they don't. But I'm just the way that you're framing this off of some goddamn conspiracy conspiracy theories. You gotta chill out. You gotta chill out. Let like if if you really felt that way, right? If you did, let's just say that night you were getting hit and you were like, "Man, I've never been hit like that from him before." Even though he's a giant, right? Even though like people call him feather punches, and you were surprised because he was putting all his weight behind his punches because he was training with Sugar Hill. Yep. But if that was the case, take it up with the commission. Say, hey, man, I'm not really feeling this. Can you investigate? But when you go public with a video, ten when was it, eight months later, you go public with a video accusing somebody of cheating to beat you. But then you just run off like first was like it should have stopped at the suit, right? Like it should have stopped at the suit. After the suit thing, we should have been done. But now it's not just the suit. It's a crooked ref. I don't even know what the ref has to do with it. It's it's Breland who saved your life, okay, and then now they had to load the gloves. So you mean to tell me that Tyson Fury needed to, all these things in his favor to beat you? He's already beaten him for a trilogy fight because he's beaten him mentally, and Fury will use all of this as ammo to make him look like a clown leading up to a third fight if there is one. So embarrassing, man. It's horrible. He's it's ugly and the hardest thing for him is realizing because of this because of i don't know i don't know how you let that deadline pass if you're not healthy just restructure the deal say tyson you can fight in december we're good to go in the spring he might have been okay with that commission might have backed you with that but speak to someone how do you just let it expire you just lost a guaranteed 50 mil again I mean, there's a ton of reasons, right? Like, we could ask Shelly Finkel, like, hey, Shelly, what happened, right? There's, there's a number of people you can ask. Obviously, this pandemic is an issue. And the fact that you can't have fans puts a hurting on the, the – it caps how much you guys can make. I understand that. But if you want this rematch that bad, y'all need to figure this out. Like, there should have been a conversation at some point that says, listen, we're not ready to have this fight. So what do you say we amend this contract and agree to both take interim fights? And then we fight spring 2021, right? Do something because Tyson Fury needs to fight. He's ready. And now he's going to fight. Meanwhile, you're just over here just talking. And I know you don't make your own deals. That's between Al Heyman and Shelly Finkel. Those are the people that, that you need to talk to Why you're not getting the rematch. It's not Tyson Fury. It's you. It's you and your team. You're not ready. You don't need this rematch right now. Yes, your ego says... Fight him now. But you got dragged. Did you re- did you forget how you got dragged in that fight? Dragged. Did somebody poison your water? Oh, man. 
I can't. Like, we got to move on. I can't. He's embarrassing. You ever have a homie and you was like, you had his back, and then you find out all the grimy st- stuff he did, and you're like, ugh. Because you still got to have his back, but now you feel like a fool because you have his back, right? It's like everybody blaming him for, for boning the, somebody's girl. And he's like, he ain't boning his girl. And then he comes out and he tells you, yeah, I boned his girl and his mom. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, how do I defend this? I still got your back. But God, shut the fuck up. For real. <laughs> That's that's where you got with Wilder. I'm, damn shame, man. Damn shame. Yeah, we gotta move off of him specifically because there's so much more boxing to talk about. There was boxing on ESPN, so we had the debut of NOI on ESPN. He comes out. He's fighting Jason Maloney. Maloney won his last fight. Looked very good. One eighteen. But we kind of knew. Yeah, there's a talent difference here. Inouye's the third pound-for-pound fighter in the world. People have him higher. Some people have him at number one. So he comes out. Really, this is the first time he's fighting where it's conducive for an American audience to follow. So people are tuning in. They want to see what the hype is about. This guy delivered plus some. Timothy Bradley, who was kind of skeptical about him going into the fight, after the fight said, you know what, Andre Ward, I was wrong. You were right. This guy is special. And it's not about the result, which was a knockout, which I think everyone saw coming. But it was about the way he did it. And there's something special. He's like, he reminds me of Manny Pacquiao in the ring. It's same thing we kind of saw from Loma when he was at 126, 130, where the angles are so easy for him that he's thinking three or four moves ahead of the opponent and it's so hard to adjust to you really got to stand in there and just throw him like Donaire did he threw caution to the wind because if you start playing a chess match you've lost before you even hit the ring there's no way to beat this man in a chess match no and in a while it looked amazing I mean more surprised like we know he has the power right but more surprising than that for a lot of people was his speed and his ability to close distance and his ability to land the, the shots that he wanted to land. And Maloney quickly realized, I always like to watch people's facial expressions when they get hit with things. Because, he, like, going back to Wilder, when Fury was hitting him, Wilder was like, ooh, shit. And I'm sorry, last thing I'm going to say about Wilder and Fury. <laughs> the first time Wilder and Fury fought, you remember what I said? I thought Wilder was going to beat him because why Fury had been gone for so long. And only had like eight rounds of fights heading into yep. that fight. And I was like, it's gonna be it probably will be a different story if he's in great shape. And he was, and we saw what happened. So that's probably what happened, not no tainted water. But you look at Inouye, and when he would hit Maloney, because you game plan for a certain speed and power. And you're right with the Manny Pacquiao comparison. You game plan and you think, all right, these are the angles he might cut. You try to get somebody to emulate that. But then when you're in there with it and you get hit with it. You can see Maloney's eyes got really big. It's like um, when Bellows fought, fought Berlanga. And Berlanga hit yeah. Bellows, and Bellows was like, oh, I didn't train for this shit. I need to go home. <laughs> Maloney was in the same boat. He got hit, and he was like, oh, this is different. And the way that NY moves, the way he goes in and out, the, the power that he hits people with, with the speed, the way he places his punches to the body, he's a problem. He's a problem. And the straight right, he, like we knew he was going to finish him at some point because he's a finisher. They call him the monster not because of some bullshit. It's because he is. 
hit him with that straight right hand, and Maloney went down, and Maloney's brain was like, you should get up. And his legs like, no, you shouldn't. We should stay down here. It's kind of cool. And they just stayed down there because he couldn't get up. He would, That, in a way, is the real deal. I've seen people say, I'm not sold on him. He's the real deal. I don't. I don't. Wouldn't say he's number one pound for pound. He hasn't fought the competition, but I think he's definitely top seven, top five, depending on where you feel like putting him at. He obliterates yeah, I'll people. Yeah, top five. Yeah, yeah. He's special. Like, I mean, he won. He won that tournament. I think he could become undisputed. That would solidify him as top five. Yeah, I think so too. I think with NOI, very similar to Triple G early on, it was the eye test. Like you would watch him, and it was again, it wasn't just who he was beating; it was how he was beating them. And in a way, it's the how he's beating people. Nobody expected Maloney to beat him, but it's just the way he destroyed him. So, yeah, man, if y'all not sold on in a while, you need to watch more boxing. He's, he's the goods. He may not be number one yet. He may never be number one because the, the depth at talent at 35, 30, and welterweight, it's going to be impossible. You know, he, I don't think yeah. he has those kind of opponents. But he'll be interesting to watch. Well, that was my next question. Does he have to move up? To become a star. Does he have to go too high to become a star? We saw this when, um, what, Roman Gonzalez yeah. was stuck at two or three. Yeah. And the only way to go to number one in the world, pound for pound, or to test himself or to be a star was he had to move up. And he went up two divisions and got too big for his britches. Yeah. No. See, I'm not I'm not of that mindset. Anyway, he's only 27. Yeah. So... I think 122 is not out of the realm of possibility. It gets interesting at 126. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm not that type of guy. There's people that's like, you have to move up. If your body says you can't move up, don't take that risk. If you don't, th- if you are only doing this because you think that's what the fans need, don't do it. Do it because you feel like, I can do it. But otherwise, he's not small but he's also not very big and we're going to talk about tank too because i'm going to have the same conversation about tank in a second but if he if he doesn't don't move up like go ahead and clean out the division a lot of us are going to be entertained with you either way but unless there's a big money fight like chocolatito versus so and vci was a fight that not necessarily people in the mainstream were clamoring for we may have wanted to see it but it doesn't matter to the mainstream boxing public if you had a big money fight then I can see why that makes sense. I mean, Rigondeaux fought Lomachenko and moved up two divisions. You saw how that worked out. It didn't. He got his yeah. ass beat up. <laughs> like, sometimes moving up in weight is detrimental unless it's somebody that you truly believe you can beat. When Pacquiao fought Oscar, man, he was like, oh, I could beat the shit out of him. And he moved up, and that's exactly what he did. But it's risky, man. Even Loma. Loma small. Loma small at 35. And he found out what it was like. So... I don't think NY needs to move up to be an American superstar. He needs to find the right opponent. NY is half an inch taller than Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao's fighting at 47. Oh, Pacquiao's also... fighting at 118. Pacquiao's a freak. Pacquiao started at 115 with weights in his pocket. Well, yeah. I mean, Pacquiao was like 18 at the time. So, it's like... It's it's different. Like, Pacquiao's a different... You can't be Manny Pacquiao. But he never got taller. No. (laughs) Ever. It just doesn't happen. But he put on the weight. Yeah. And even then, Manny was always small. But, you know, certain guys, that's what I talk about when you have to be, like, defensively responsible in fights. And that's the only way you can move up. Because you can't just bowl people over when you move up in weight. Ask Adrian Broner how that worked out for him. Sometimes you just got to stay where you're at. 
Because if you're not defensively responsible, if you're not a fighter who has great defensive skills, you can't rely on power moving up and weight. It just don't work like that. It doesn't. They'll try it, though. It doesn't work. <laughs> I, that's You got to dare to be great sometimes. You do, and but... With all these young kids, and he's still young, but with all this other young talent coming, yeah, they'll just push you further and further out of the picture. And you're, you're here to be a star. You're here to leave a legacy, to be one of the best ever. And at 118, 122, guys don't stay there long enough to really give you a test. Hardly anyone's permanent weight is 118, 122. No. So it, it's it's tough. You got to move up to the 126, the 130 to, to really test yourself. And that decision, I think, is maybe like two years away, but it, it's on the horizon. Where it's like, uh, he might have to make the jump to face face a guy like, I don't know, Navarrete, who who's now one twenty six, and he's like five eleven. Yeah, and it's just like if he starts belt collecting, you might gotta make the jump and see how good you are. You just gotta find. You have also have to find the perfect opponent. This that is that wouldn't be it. Uh, ma- <laughs> see, matchmaking is key, right? When Broner moved up. And he fought Pauli Malinaji and barely beat him. Somebody should have told Broner, this ain't your weight class. But Broner liked to eat, so he couldn't go back down. So then he was like, I'm going to fight Marcos Maidana. A completely wrong fight for him. Wrong style, wrong everything. Maidana beat the shit out of him. And he, should, he was like, I got heart, though. Nobody cares. So if you pick your opponent and you find somebody that you f- see a distinct advantage over, like, yeah, you dare to be great. But when you f- first make that move up, I'm not saying play it safe. But play it to your strengths and not your weaknesses. Don't go out there and fight some big heavy puncher and then get knocked on your ass. Don't fight somebody who's going to be rough and you can't deal with it. Like, you got to know your limitations. So, I'm curious. Even Navarrete is, uh, even he's a guy who punches extremely wide. And I think NY could pick him off. But NY needs to grow into that body and figure out how to fight taller guys. We don't necessarily see that with him in the way class he's at right now. So I'm curious how he would deal with taller fighters. But Navarrete is a guy, I don't think Navarrete is like indestructible. I think he's actually very beatable. So, yeah, we'll see. He just has that weird puzzle. And that's why he wins, in my opinion, at 122. He's a volume puncher at 5'11". Yeah. So it's like, how do you solve that puzzle when everyone's 5'4"? Punch him in the mouth. So, yeah, you keep getting up and up and up and wait. And sooner or later, you're not really a unicorn anymore no and people have seen that and then then you got to prove your grit so he's a whole different story let's take a quick break because then we got to finish this up with tank and we'll preview the Devin haney fight to end that but so much to talk about with javante davis you guys stay right there we'll be right back We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going an extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and just as promised, that quick, we are back, and we are talking about Tank Davis. Pay-per-view, first pay-per-view for him. Mayweather talked him up all week. He is a pay-per-view star. He is not going to fight outside of pay-per-view again. The record says 22 wins going into this fight, 21 knockouts. I mean, the guy was the real deal. Tank, indeed. People said, yo, this power is like a mini Mike Tyson. He's had this fan base. He's growing. It's like... It's like Floyd Mayweather handed off the ratchets right to Tank. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he, he threw him the ball and Tank ran with it. The last fight being in Atlanta before this, genius. This being in Texas and having fans, that's another base of ratchets that'll come out and visit. Even though this is more of a hardcore boxing base, it wasn't a lot of seats, the ratchets weren't in there. I wonder what the urban loitering was like around the event. But it seemed to be in the venue, boxing fans, but still he's winning over even the the hardcore black boxing audience. Which to a point Floyd had from when he was Pretty Boy Floyd. So he never had to try to get those. They always followed him. He had to win over the ratchets, the popular people he had to bring in 50 cents and have ray j playing piano in his home and doing a bunch of shit that like ig and twitter thoughts liked at the time so he did all of that tank don't even gotta do that floyd handed that right off to him boom came out with little uzi vert Mm -hmm. like it's the floyd mayweather playbook oh you're fighting mexican fighter you come out with the sombrero my exact gear floyd floyd is pulling the strings in the background and Getting like into the fight itself, it was so much built up on Tank, I thought, coming into this fight, especially with Teofimo two weeks ago and going out and taking all the belts and looking impressive. Leo Santa Cruz is no pushover. So I was like, man, there's a lot on his shoulders. The the guy delivered. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> like he he delivered. It was shaky early though. Oh yeah. I was I was a little worried early. Because I, I thought, man, and, and Tank doesn't throw a lot of punches. He's a very pick-your-spot type of guy. And Leo was taking advantage of that. We knew Leo's a volume puncher, and he was finding the mark. Tank didn't use enough head movement to start that fight. It's like he was downloading info, figuring out where you can place these shots. And he was working that uppercut from the second round. But just, boom, all right, stick it. I really didn't put everything behind it, but I touched him. Okay, fourth round. Well, he threw this. Boom, I touched him with it again. Commentary, Morrow pointed it out. He's just touching him with the uppercut when he can. And then he found he found the perfect moment. Leo Santa Cruz got greedy, threw the same right hand three times in a row. First one, hit Tank in the forehead. Second one, Tank caught with his glove. Third one, Leo was out. Night, night. And he was... That, to me, is the most impressive thing, is that he showed he can adjust mid-fight, mid-round, punch-to-punch, and put together a game plan. That was great. Yep. So, let's talk about it. First, I was impressed that Tank made weight. No problems. First victory. Biggest victory. Second, the power, obviously, is there. Uh, I think you called six rounds. 
You should make bets six that round. you can win, right? Like, this is a bet you can win. Six round. But you weren't going to take that bet. Hell no. Because it was very possible. Yeah, I think I picked nine or ten. Because I thought, yeah. you know, Leo is tough, but if he uses his reach, and I thought he could, you know, and he, he showed that he can give Tank problems. few things stuck out with me early before I get to the knockout. One, Tank is frustrated very quickly. And if you make him fight off of his back foot moving backwards, he gets angry and wants to move forward. And it's like he tried to throw Leo a couple times. Like he, he has to put his emotions in check. The power is a great equalizer. No matter what happens, if you get in a firefight with Tank and he catches you, yeah, you're going to go down. But I was watching Leo use his length a little bit. And then he would go, go into those like four and five punch combinations and then Tank would back up. And then Tank looked like he was just getting mad. And maybe getting mad works for him, but I don't know if that works with a, a, a different fighter. I don't want to take anything away from Tank. Now we're going to get into the knockout. Leo Santa Cruz has never been knocked out before. He's faced yeah. the likes of Abner Mares, Carl Frampton. These are all little guys. Tank is the biggest guy he's fought, obviously, and the biggest puncher. We knew Leo Santa Cruz didn't have anything to make Tank think differently about his approach to the fight in terms of power. Leo doesn't sit down with his punches. He doesn't really knock people out. He's a volume puncher. He tries to overwhelm you. And by doing that, he forces you, like we talked about last week, you have to punch in between his punches. Broner didn't do that later in his career. He got, you know, he tried to pot shot. It doesn't work. You have to know when to throw him. And Tank, because he didn't feel threatened by Leo, was able to uncork that hellacious left uppercut the way he did and kill Leo Santa Cruz, the Chappelle special is what I like to call it, because um, that uppercut is mean, but he had no problems throwing between those punches, spectacular knockout, arguably the knockout of the year, uh, the branch are getting knocked out by Zapata's up there, and I think this knockout is bigger than Povetkin knocking out Dillian White, now, mm. it's close, I mean, the level of competition in the stage has to factor into it, so it's... It, also, probably my knockout of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, Leo's never been knocked out, and he killed him. The Branch takes a pot of fight just because that fight was so ridiculous. And yeah, that's still fight of the year. The, well, yeah, hands down. There's people that were like, it wasn't that good. You're nuts. You're just being contrarian. But anyway, the question now, there's a couple questions. One, what did we really learn about Tank Davis? We knew he could punch. But he didn't fight a guy that was necessarily big. And he didn't fight a guy that like I've always said, could hit Tank in the mouth one good time and make him reconsider his strategy. I'm a little concerned that because of this knockout, because now, which will lead me to my next question in a minute, now uh, Heyman and we know um, Ellerby and Tank, and everybody thinks that Tank is the man now. But what happens when he does get punched in the mouth? And who's going to be the person to do it? Because Tank, at 30... He's only 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, He's little. Very short with little arms. Yeah, the little arms hurt. Incredible power. But when you fight taller guys who can hit you at range, who've got a little pop, and I'm going to name one, Tiafimo Lopez, what do you do? Does it alter your strategy? Because what, what we learned from Tiafimo Lopez is not only does he have power, but he has a great ring IQ. And yep. he knows how to box backwards and forwards. He doesn't get frustrated easy. He stays within himself. Can Tank do that against somebody like Lopez? 
The second question, it'll, before you go into be this. tough. Yeah. Tank versus Tiafimo, who is the A-side in that fight? <laughs> Tiafimo's the A-side. Tank would think he is the A-side, and you can't talk him down, which is why we're not going to see the fight. Boom. And you can't, you can't talk Floyd down. Even if Tank... I think Tank might be like, yo, 55-45, let's get it. Floyd is not going to accept 50-50. And that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I, I mean, that's Floyd Mayweather. So Floyd would say it's not the right time to fight him. And if they fight in seven years, Floyd would be happy. Because until you are the A-side, you're not going to... Or until Javante is the A-side, he's not going to fight the guy. So if he's not the A-side right now, then it's not the right time to fight. The fight happens when it happens. And Floyd got all these million, you know, by-the-book responses. So he's not. He's, he's not going to let him fight him, even at 50-50. But Diofimo's still the A-side. One, because he was fighting in his correct weight class to get the belts. Let's start with that. So he didn't win a fight at 130 to become a 135-pound champion. And then had the belt already coming in, which wasn't a vacant belt. He went and beat Comey, who was, what, the third fighter, maybe second fighter in that weight class at the time, beat him, got the belt, starched him, then went in against Loma, top three pound for pound, schooled him. Loma's a little smaller. Okay, didn't need his power, schooled him to take three belts. Tank still just got one. To take three belts? Four, if you ask us at ESPN. To become undisputed. Like, there's no question who's the A-side. There's a reason why I would put now Gervonta at the 10 spot in my pound for pound. That was wildly impressive. He's still got to prove it to me at 135. But this fight, maybe he sneaks into 10. I've been considering putting one of Charlo's there. Maybe he bumps to Charlo. I'm not even sure. But there's no way you put Teofimo outside of the top five. Teofimo's A-side. And it's, it's not even close. And Theo would probably be smart enough to give the man 50-50. So this is... Bob Arum loves 50-50. Bob's about to give AJ 50-50 with Fury. Yeah. And they could have they could have grabbed their balls and debated, right? Of course. Oh, the zone doesn't have pay per view. Fury got pay per view numbers. They got this. That they him and him and Hearn could have stand there and had a ball grabbing match. They didn't. They said, "Yo, you want fifty? We want fifty. Okay, whoever wins rematch, they get sixty. You get forty. Deal, deal. Easy money. Like it's that easy. Bob don't give a fuck. Bob is old now." I love old Bob now. Bob's like, yo, you give me 50, I'm taking it. Like, I don't know. I just want to see all these fucking fights. I'm old. So I, I think they would do that fight. Floyd ain't taking that shit, though. No, and this is where, look, man, this 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 whole part is coming off like I'm shitting on Tank Davis. I'm not. What I'm shitting on is the no. business of boxing. And yeah. the, the, the ch- Tank would take it. Floyd has put into Tank's head that he is now a pay-per-view star. Which means, which really translates to, you can go fight a refrigerator and get paid the same. Which is probably what's going to start happening because Tiafimo is not the B-side of that fight. He's the champ. And I know yep. people are going to say, well, Tank has the video that goes viral. He's the bigger draw. 
while true, there's no way in hell that you can tell me, regardless of how impressive that knockout was, that Tank being beating a, a smaller Leo Santa Cruz is more impressive than Teofimo beating arguably the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. You, you yeah, can't. No you can't sell that to me. But I get Floyd, Ellerby, and Heyman's perspective when it comes to he's going to bring the money. Yeah, okay, you might be right. But there's no way that Teofimo should ever take less than 50-50 in that fight. Oh, that's to say Teofimo's not a showman in his own right. Well, which is all true, but like we like oh he's going to bring the money. Like have you seen Teofimo? Like you you saw that highlight reel to itself. Like two fights ago we go back with Javante, you were struggling against a one-leg Gamboa because Gamboa was a bigger fighter. Teofimo was starching Comey with a knockout that looks just as good as this. Yeah, but, you know, the argument's going to be is that Javante has more followers, he's a bigger draw, like his video's more viral, he brings more eyeballs. And you can't really argue that's, with that. I can argue that. That's that's going to be tough. Mm, you can't. Because you can't argue. Like, on, on a one-night basis... Yes, his video went viral. Yes. Th- that is fine. That's a huge deal. The, yes, which is great. I understand. He did what he had to do for his platform. On the build of another fight, on your build, that one viral night, you can show that clip all you want and people remember it, but you need the team to then build you. Unless, I mean, Showtime's not pushing as hard as an ESPN could push. Your your boss just went on ESPN without you to push this fight. Theo goes by himself. Theo can be on every ESPN show. He could be on national championship. He could be on this. So we're talking about selling a fight. Theo got the machine behind him. You got Mayweather Promotions online. Like, what what are we talking here? I mean, we're still talking Tank's a, a bigger star, quote-unquote, than Teofimo Lopez. That's tough. That's not tough. I mean, it's not like that, it's not like the kids Ryan Garcia. Th- th- no, no, this is not tough. This is not tough. T- does Teofimo have a, over a hundred thousand followers on Twitter? Uh, I'm gonna check IG because that's what matters. Javante two point three. Um, Teofimo Lopez three fifty. Mm. So five times. Yeah. Javante's a bigger it's star. Tough. This is not even tough. It's not tough. It's what it is. Javante's the bigger star. This is not tough. He's the bigger star. Mainstream, when you talk about bringing the ratchets, that's what sells pay-per-views. Oh, yeah. He's, he's definitely bringing the ratchets. But he's, I, he's the bigger star. Like, there's no argument here. He is the bigger star. But when you talk about the A side versus the B side, for me, it's a 50-50 fight because I have the titles and I just beat the number one pound. It's like you're not fighting an alphabet champion. You're not fighting a champion who didn't beat anybody. That's the argument if I'm TFM. But the argument from Heyman's side makes sense. This fight sells on pay-per-view because Gervonta can sell it. The, then they'll, they'll say this, and whether you want to agree with it or not, it's facts. Tio versus Vasily Lomachenko on pay-per-view would not have done well. It wouldn't have. Oh, yeah. I would say the same. Yep. So so even though whatever the number was on ESPN, they needed that number to establish T.O. to, to put him in, an, in front of an audience that wasn't going to buy pay-per-view. This tank, whatever tank does on pay-per-view, they're going to consider a success because it's going to be over 100,000. It's going to be a success. They'll call it whatever it is a success. And they'll say, because of that, he's the bigger star. 
and they'll start haggling over money. Now, obviously, the thing that should happen, 50-50 fight, rematch clause, loser gets a 60-40, right? That's what yep. should happen. Yeah, that's the way boxing is going. It makes sense. But it's not going to happen because no. Floyd knows, Heyman knows, and Tank knows that they can fight somebody else and make a lot of money on pay-per-view. Period. They don't need T.O. Unless, and this is the difference between being a great businessman and being a great champion. Floyd's going to teach Gervonta to be a great business businessman. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that for Tank. It kind of hurts no. us as boxing fans because we know what we want to see. Yeah. The, the only thing that could hurt Tank is if he doesn't fight any of the other young fighters and they fight each other. But that's what's going to happen. If Ryan and Haney go and then Haney and Teofimo go and then but, but Tank is the only man left out of that young equation, people will start attacking him like they did Floyd and saying that oh means shit. Who did you knock out? It'd be like Bud Crawford. You are the odd man out. So what are you showing me? Because at least we saw Spence fight Danny Garcia. Mikey. Sean Mikey Porter. Garcia. Or excuse me, Mikey Garcia. He's fighting Danny now, though. So he's fighting Danny. Fought Mikey. Fought Sean Porter. Thurman ditched him, but he could still fight Thurman. So we've seen these things. Pacquiao might have to vacate. Who the fuck knows? But we've seen those matchups. Bud is on the outside looking in, and... He's top three pound for pound right now, and people are like, prove it. Yeah. And that'll be Gervonta. That O means what? I mean, the, again, the problem is, as long as he's making that money, it won't matter. It's tough. It's not. It I mean, sucks. That's the of the school. It's not tough. Yeah, it just it sucks. Suck. It's not because they're playing the business game. They're going to play the long game. and they Until they feel like, this is why the T.O. fight won't happen next. Until they feel like T.O. can add to what Tank's bringing to the table in terms of pay-per-view buys, in a, in not just a little bit, a lot, there's no reason to risk that fight. Now, here's the real reason why this fight shouldn't happen. Tank's too small. Oh, yeah. Theo Fimo's too big. <laughs> Listen, they're both. It's equal to the point where Tank shouldn't be at 130, even though he made it comfortably. I think 135 is his home. And Teofimo has to be at 140. He shouldn't be at 135 anymore. No, but Tank, like they may not, Tank won't, won't say it. Even Ellerby probably won't say it. But Tank being as short as he is, there's only so much you can move up before you're just severely outsized and the power diminishes. Now, maybe he carries the power to 135, right? We could kind of see that happening. There's a lot yeah, of pressure going. Devin Haney's got a lot of pressure this weekend. We're going to talk about that in a second. He's got all. <laughs> yo, <laughs> he's got so these, much pressure on his shoulders. These kids are putting pressure on each other. It is amazing without ever having to fight right. each other. Right, so Devin's got a ton of pressure. And then Ryan's got a ton of pressure right after that. Oh, but Ryan's loving it. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I really think Ryan's loving it. He's like, yo, Ryan's going to go in there and be like, I'm taking Luke's head off. He has to. Lo yeah, Ryan wants to put on a show. I think it's going to make all of them. Like, better. Devin has to take Gamboa's head off because then he can immediately – because he's the lowest on the totem pole right now. Not skill-wise, oh, draw-wise. Same. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not skill-wise. But if Devin goes in there and takes care of business – because the truth is, in my opinion – 
Devin's the guy that's going to get ducked the most. Because Devin's the toughest fight, but he doesn't have as big of a draw. He'll be the guy that everybody just kind of circles around. Ryan could fight Tio. Tank could fight Ryan. Tank could fight Loma. None of them look at Devin Haney and go, we should fight him next. Even though he has the other WBC title. Because he doesn't bring the eyeballs. And you ha- he's a guy that you... Um, I'm trying to figure out who to compare him to. Maybe like Sean Porter. An undefeated version of Sean Porter. In the sense that yeah. I don't want to fight him unless I have to. And nobody has to fight him. There's other people to fight. So with Tank... Yeah, he's gonna. He may force himself to move up. I don't know if he's gonna eat his money after this fight and force his way up. I don't know if he's gonna be able to hit 130 again. I have no idea. Maybe I, like I don't. I don't. He could, but I, I just think the fights are at 135. Like, who does he fight next at 130 if he chooses to stay there? At 130, and I can't think of anyone exciting. Who do they have? A lot of guys are top rank right now. Right. Um. Oh, the the one name that he could fight. Go ahead. And this is a guy moving. Go ahead, up, say it. Is Gary Russell <laughs> the man? And he only fights once a year. The J Electronica <laughs> of boxing. The man fights. One, he's got the worst output I've ever seen in, in fighting. Now, why? The funny thing is, that you said that because I asked Devin in this features coming out this week. I asked Devin. I was like, "Well, what happened to the, the Gary Russell fight?" He was like, "I talked to Gary. They just didn't want the fight." And he, he's like, "I don't think he's scared of me." Just something about Gary, the way he chooses his fights and his team chooses his fights, he just didn't want the fight. Now, I can see Gary fighting Tank. There's a lot of money in that fight for him. Yeah, Gary ain't been the same since that Loma loss. No, and there was and there was things like Gary was sick, so he, so he says, heading in that fight. He probably underestimated right. Loma. There's probably a lot of things going on. But for Gary Russell Jr., at this point in his career, he needs to fight somebody that matters because skill-wise, he can compete with anybody. But... You got to beat somebody, and Tank looks like a guy. I think Gary looks at Tank and says, like, I can beat him. He probably can't, but he's going to think that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that power is going to be different. But again, people say another 126er Tank. Exactly. But that's the reason why they make that fight. It's under the same, it's under the same promotional umbrella. You ain't got to spill yeah. it outside of the promotion. It sounds good on paper, and it's against the guy that if Tank beats him, so what? You want to know why so what? Because Gary Russell Jr. fights once a year, and nobody really knows who he is. But you could sell him as this incredibly skilled fighter. Yep. Only losses to Lomachenko. Tank beats him worse. And then Tank can now start, you know, putting the puzzle together towards a Lomachenko fight. So, because I think Lomachenko still sells pay-per-views. If, as a B-side, I think maybe Tank could be the A-side on that. Yeah. And Loma becomes one hell of a B-side. Yeah, I mean, it's a fight to sell. I just, you know, depends on if Loma wants to do that fight or not. But there, there are options. So that, all that being yeah. said, I was incredibly impressed with the knockout. I don't, I'm not going to go out there and say, like, this has made him, like, the best fighter in the world. None of that shit. I just, he beat a smaller guy. Like, we got to look at the facts. But he's must-see TV because that power is dynamite. You can't miss it. That power is incredible. I just don't know yeah. if it carries the further he moves up. He, he may run into a danger zone like Adrian Broner did where he finally says, let me go up two weight classes. And then he realizes it ain't the same up here. We'll see. Difference is I don't see him ever becoming gun shy. No. He won't. I mean, you know what? I, Broner became gun I don't shy. know. Like, Here's why I don't know. Because Tank hasn't been punched in the face one good time. That's what happened to Broner. Like, 
Gamboa hit him with something in that fight. Yeah, but isn't I gotta go back and watch. It was like fifth round. And Tank gets real wobbly. And I was like, oh shit. It ain't it ain't the same like when when Broner got mugged by Maidana, it changed yeah. his life. <laughs> he didn't want to get hit like that ever again for the rest of his life. Like he looked at that and was like, I ain't gonna take those kind of chances. That's stupid. I'm never gonna do that again. So I, I still need to see him like I need to see Tank get punched in the mouth. It wasn't gonna happen. That, by the way, Adrian Broner's training again. So what? I think he comes back to one forty. That is a fight I would like for Teofimo Lopez. No, that's a fight I'd like for Tank. <laughs> yeah, but Broder's never making it down to 135. <laughs> but you give me Theo at 140? Yes, beat the brakes off of him. We shall see. Broner's still one of the best B-sides in boxing. He is the best <laughs> B-side. He sells fights, man. People want to see him fight because he sucks. But Yep, and he's going to talk shit, yeah. and his pop's going to brush his hair. So uh, real quick, Haney, like you said, tons of pressure. Fighting Gamboa. Now healthy and also 38, allegedly, years old. So we have, (laughs) exactly, the Danny Almonte, shall I say. So we have that. Devin, what's your prediction for the fight? Because I got this last one right. Kudos to me. I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say, and I really like Haney. I mean, I've always said he's going to be the best out of this group. That still may very well be the case. I didn't see Teofimo getting as good as he was. You were higher on Theo than I was. But I always thought Danny, Devin Haney, excuse me, has the same, like he just has everything. But I think this fight kind of trips him up a little bit, giving me him by unanimous decision. And I'm not saying it's going to be close, but I don't think he gets him out of there and he doesn't make the statement the other two made. I think Haney stops Gamboa in like eight. Reason being is, yes, Gamboa is healthy. I don't think he's going to tear another ACL hidden in this fight. But the one thing that Ryan Garcia and anybody who sparred, even Sean Porter with Devin has said is, Devin has an incredible jab. Gamboa doesn't really do good with jabs. He's a very all-over-the-place kind of fighter. And what Devin puts behind the jab is what gets him highlight real knockouts. He's just been matched up wrong. Gamboa's a guy you can get out of there because Gamboa always touches the canvas. Always. Terrence Crawford. That that's my favorite Terrence Crawford. Yeah, like Gambo, like he just fights off balance a lot. And Haney's so good on centering himself that I think he's gonna stop him. I give me Haney by TKO in like the ninth round. Damn, I like that pick. I hope it is. I d I don't know why I feel like it's a decision. One of these guys gotta trip up. And not lose, but how many highlight real knockouts can we get from this core? It's just amazing. But they, listen, they're all incredible. And, I mean, we're a year, year and a half away from the comparisons to Duran, Leonard, um, Hagler, Hearns, Benitez. Yeah. Like, we're, we're a year away from saying these five guys are those five guys. Like, in terms of Fab Five, we haven't seen this core of talent in the same general weight class in, in that long. And I throw Shakur in with the four. So it's it's exciting, man. It's I can't wait to see what Haney does this weekend. So much boxing. So much fun. Thank you guys for sticking around, listening to all of it with us. Next week, we'll bring you the recap of Haney. We'll preview uh, Terrence Bud Crawford coming out versus Kel Brook, who everyone is shitting on. <laughs> Crazy. 
Uh, like he's just the worst fighter in the world. But we'll talk about that and plenty other stuff coming up because Errol Spence is two weeks away. So much boxing to talk about. You never know. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones might give us something to talk about as well. So we appreciate you guys. Make sure you follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, on Instagram, it is Corner Club for Life. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Shout out to all of our sponsors. Shout out to you, the fans, for always listening, staying safe. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed Halloween. Stay safe so we can all enjoy Thanksgiving with our families. Stay Rona free. That is important. Until next show, though, we're out. Peace. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.